0: When i look in the mirror i don't see wrinkles When i look in the mirror i see hair on my head not my shoulder
1: Hello 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 this is Adrian Berg and this is Generation Bold the fountain of truth the fountain of truth about aging Now you know one of the things that we've been thinking about and thinking about maybe a little bit too much is our own demise. You know, we went from being older adults to a vulnerable population. And it really is not healthy to wake up in the morning in denial. We do think about what's going to happen at the end of the day. And with COVID, many of us think about it at any age. But how much are we thinking about the ceremony of our demise? We used to call it funerals. Who knows what it's called today? We have a very special guest who's brought out a whole new name called death care. We talk about grieving. We talk about it as a process. It's a little bit different in our thinking and our philosophy than it has been in the past. We also know that there are cultural differences when it comes to funereal services, and we also know that like everything else around us, things are changing. I'll give you a little bit of a, of a story, and of course, there is no happy ending to any of these stories. Nevertheless, they're fascinating in their own way. I did a webcast very recently, and uh, I have very lucky to say that nobody that I know had COVID at all, at any degree of COVID. And I was doing a webcast for a financial company, and those of you who know me know that I've written a book called The Retirement Income Explosion. And it's because we are living longer and we have to be able to afford it. And a financial group hired me to do a webcast because they couldn't do a live cast. And I had said to them, you know, I don't know anybody. And the fellow who hired me said, my father died last week. And we had our funeral online. And he died of COVID. Now, this is something that it was very difficult for me to get my mind around because I am so used to being mired in ritual and in ceremony. It's the way I was brought up. It's the way most of us were brought up. Uh, I was explaining to our guests, who I'll introduce to you in a moment that I personally as a volunteer for f- six years now have been a grief facilitator at good grief for kids who've lost their, their parents early in life. And ritual is an integral part of what we do, but Uh, Our guest today, Chris Krueger, who is the uh, COO of the Foresight Companies, has a lot of foresight when it comes to this. They did an extremely important study we're going to talk to you about in a moment. They have a view of the transparency and the importance of transparency when it comes to funerals. And they see a whole new world, just as we do in the workplace, the workforce, just as we do out of the gym and onto YouTube so that we can do our exercises. What's going on in this particular industry? I have to tell you that the statistics from the Foresight Companies study blew me away. So, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Hi, Adrian. Thank you for having me.
1: All right. So let's set the stage first. I don't know that people listening know what the Foresight Companies are and what they do. So set that stage for us.
2: Sure. The Foresight Companies, we are a management consulting firm. A firm for the death care industry so for funeral homes and cemeteries so we work specifically with funeral homes and cemeteries some insurance companies and manufacturers around their accounting uh, around their uh, their pricing and ultimately helping them identify the best practices in the industry so that they can operate their businesses and serve their clients
1: All right, so you're looking at funerals, you're looking at this issue from a very business-oriented point of view, and I'll tell you something else I did not get a chance to say. My husband, who's retired, but he was a labor lawyer, and uh, he was a labor lawyer involved in the funeral industry. And what we knew of it, and what most people listening know of it is, you come to a very sad time, you sadly go to see a funeral director face-to-face, you sadly worry about the cost, you hope that somebody had an insurance policy to cover it, and you actually either cremate or bury someone. You don't go on your computer and meet grandma A, who you never saw before because she lives in Lithuania and everybody, yeah, <laughs> and everybody's got a group online funeral, but this is happening. So let's talk about this. One of the things that the uh, Forsyth company has done for the industry is a study and tell us about this live streaming and physical attendance. Forty percent of consumers expect live streaming services to be available permanently what 's this about
2: well adrian i I think it's a it 's a great point to raise Number one people come into this industry you know people become funeral directors because they 're caregivers they're people you know one of the the terms that people use is the final responders dealing with people in their most difficult uh, you know some of the most difficult and vulnerable times of their lives. And one of the things that's happened, if we go back what seems like a lifetime ago, but was only four or five months ago, um, we had new restrictions imposed upon us. It was around no more than 10 people at a gathering. Uh, You know, the world around us changed dramatically, almost overnight. And I would tell you that the funeral industry as a whole has traditionally been 10 to 15, 20 years behind the times. And by that, I mean, from technology, from the internet, as you pointed out, uh, so generally we, you know, a, it's an industry steeped in tradition. And when we didn't have that option available to us to go and attend a service to make the arrangements the way that we traditionally have, we were immediately accelerated into what I would call just more the current times. So I mean, it became became a time where, as you mentioned uh, earlier, people had to attend services by live streaming. They had to make arrangements by, by Zoom or Teams or other virtual methods that were very foreign to the industry, but not necessarily foreign to society today. Um, and so one of the, that those ways is obviously live streaming. And what we've seen from our study is that 40% of consumers across all age groups, demographics are expecting live streaming to be available, uh, as as, as part of the standardized offering, and only about 20% of the people, 21% are willing to pay for it. So what what we've seen is the expectation of the consumer has changed dramatically.
1: And so I have a couple of questions here. First of all, um, we're all thinking, other than the health issues, what will COVID change permanently? One of the things we all believe it may change is the workplace, is that we are doing pretty good without getting together all the time. So we do believe that live streaming, flex hours, working from home, all these things that were already a trend are going to get uh, uh, increased. But I think what you're telling us is that one of the other things that are going to change is the way we bury our loved ones, uh, that the funeral industry is going to change. But I, I have this question for you. I did notice this, and I was going to bring it up. Uh, you say that people are expecting there to be a continuation of this live streaming, but only, in your words are only, 21% want to pay for it. What do the other 80% expect? Now, do they expect it to be just part of the whole ceremony so that some relatives that are far away can see what is going on? Do they expect to do this on their own because we are getting more tech savvy? What do you think that means from the business point of view now? I'm getting out of the emotions now. What do you think it means from the business point of view that people have an expectation of this, but only about a fifth of them would pay for it?
2: Uh, I think it's a little bit of all, of all those things. I, I think it is not only do I want uh, the – My my friends and family that are close, near and far, whether it be Lithuania or whether it be in New York or California, I want to make it available, and I expect that this is just—it is something that should be part of what of what happens when I'm uh, when going through this process. And so, ultimately, I think, you know, going on the business side of things, what it really means is that. The funeral home operators and, and the people in the death care industry need to adapt their offerings, right? So it needs to include the what, would, what we would call almost the minimum expectations of the consumer. So we have uh-huh. to listen more to the consumer and meet those expectations as opposed to imposing our will upon the consumer.
1: So when we come back, we're going to talk about two things. One, uh, I guess you would call this a very gratifying thing. Many more, maybe 25% more, according to the Foresight Company's uh, study, do think that we need to pre-plan for a funeral. Now that maybe because it's in our face right now and we see it around us and we are in much less denial. So I think for the industry, pre-planning is very good. I want to discuss how to do that. And part of that is one of your missions, which is transparency. We do, this is the only thing, fam- I've heard this many times, this is one of the biggest life ticket items that we plan for or buy at the lowest emotional point of our life. It's just not like a car, and it can cost almost as much sometimes. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about that. Funerals from a consumer point of view. We'll be right back. All of
0: it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate for my age.
1: Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth. Now we do have to do a little bit of housekeeping here. First of all, our newsletter is going gangbusters. It is very easy to get. It is free and it is weekly. Let me tell you what we have in it. Of course, we have a direct link to all of our podcasts for the week, a direct link to all of our blogs for the week. But I have also taken several things that happened during the week that you may not be aware of. For example, Webcast webinars, it was just one by the American Federation on Aging. You probably missed it. Blue Zones from the Global Wellness Center. And uh, you will be getting links to all of those. It's always free of charge. I also picked three things from my inbox that for some reason or another just don't fit into my articles or to our show. One of them last week, for example, was how to, with very little money, invest in art. Uh, Another one was a group called Brain Pickings. Where you can really get some wonderful literature free of charge. And because I love theater so much, I've been keeping everybody up to date on free musicals and other plays that they can see on television, Netflix and so on. All right. So if you're interested in this newsletter, it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to keep in touch all week. Simply go to our radio website, generationboldradio.com and give me your email or you can contact me directly. You can go to Adrian Berg. A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G dot com slash contact and ask for our newsletter. It's all there and it's extremely automated. All right. Now we're going to talk about probably the least automated thing that we ever spend our money on, and that is a funeral. Uh, and at the end of the day, we are preparing this for someone else, even if people pre-planned uh, the carrying out of those plans are by someone else. And we have here with us today Chris Kruger, uh, who is, uh, really working with a- an extraordinary group called the Foresight Companies. And they work with the management and the vision, uh, for an industry that we don't know much about. And frankly, most of us are glad. And that is the death care industry. That's the truth. We have closed our eyes. But according to Chris, and uh the study that they've done, people have changed from only fifty eight percent thinking that we should keep our eyes open and plan for a funeral. We now have seventy three percent of the folks who were studied. So Chris, I'm gonna throw this over to you. Is it COVID? Is it just that we're aging and we're we're kind of smarter, longer, older and we have time to plan? Is it is it money? Is that we were just worried that it's too expensive and we feel we have to plan? Or the baby boomer mentality. What do you think? Why all of a sudden is this something we want to have in our control instead of leaving to someone else?
2: Well, I think in your opening comments, Adrian, you made you know you you alluded to the fact that it is much more front of mind today, unfortunately. And I think as people contemplate uh, their you know their demise or their passing, uh, it's one to set your wishes, uh, an opportunity to arrange what you would like your uh, end of life ceremony to be. It is to relieve the burden on our loved ones and our, and our children. And I think the other thing is it, it's part of financial planning as well, because as you pointed out, in some cases, the cost of a funeral and a burial can be quite significant. So I think it's a planning thing and it's something that people are much more aware of in these these times of uncertainty. It's got us all thinking about things that we don't necessarily think of and as you point out, uh 26%, it's increased by 26% to 73% of the consumers now want to make their their wishes known and they want to they want to put those uh in place.
1: So you know you according to to um, the foresight companies and, and you you probably have a very good um, a- analysis of this because of what you guys do. You say that the average funeral is about eight thousand dollars. Am I right about that? And if it, am I right that that's not cremation, that's burial?
2: You tell me. It's it's a it's a full burial, a a uh, a funeral and a burial. It's just under eight thousand dollars. It's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy six hundred dollars. That's correct
1: it was so interesting um i'm the last one that i had to officiate of was my mom's and that was exactly 12 years ago and it cost me i could tell you it cost me 8300 dollars and the one before that was a a very good friend of mine and it was about the same so i don't know whether or not i went a little further then or things are pretty stagnant over this last time uh, has there been inflation in the in, in cost
2: there, there has been some increase in cost over the past five to 10 years. Um, but one of the things, you know, an interesting part of this study was there was not a shift in uh, the people that were choosing cremation over burial. Hmm. And so what we saw was that the, the, co- the crisis, the COVID-19 crisis did not increase the, 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 the choice of the consumer for disposition. It just simply uh, changed the, uh, of what 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 was important to them, and you know, and part of that actually is is interesting because there became less focus on the the merchandise, the material goods of a, of, a, of a funeral, and it was more towards what was important is the service, and and making sure that you met the needs of the of the consumer, not necessarily showing your 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 grandiosity of your of your of how much you care through for through flowers and caskets and items like that.
1: You know that's really a, a fascinating social study, the culture of all of this. Because if you think about the eighteen hundreds, you think about the nineteen hundreds. You think about what well, you said, grandiosity. We're speaking here with Chris Kruger, who's who's uh, explaining to us what's going on through a survey that the. Foresight companies have been doing in the area of death care, which we would all of us call funerals. Um, but those were the days when people showed their wealth through their burial. And in fact, if you're a good traveler, I love to travel. There, there are cemetery trips just to see the beauty, just to see the artistry. And you're saying that culturally we're, we're going to 360 now. Maybe we'll come back to it. We're right now with the one hundred eighty, exactly on the opposite side, where the stuff is not important anymore. Uh, you know, they always say in marketing that for the boomer, whatever it is, whether it's travel, clothing, doesn't matter what it is, it's the experience. Is that is that spilled over to the funeral industry?
2: It has. And it's you know, the one thing that is also interesting to note, it's not saying that the consumer is looking to spend less. What the consumer is saying that I want you to listen to what what I what I want, and so it, it is about the experience, it's about the celebration, and it's about uh, listening to what to what I want.
1: You, you know, I wrote an article. I, I was explaining that I do have a blog called Aging for Beginners, and I wrote an article about funerals, and it was a tongue-in-cheek article, but it was well researched. So you can become part of the Great Barrier Reef. You can be, uh, you can be put into a locket. You can be, be worn as a ring. You can be uh, shot up in space. There's a whole bunch. I just of
2: say you can be shot up in space, Adrian. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. But I, but but the truth is, now you, so that's a great article. Great, okay. But tell the truth. Do you really see any real? Uh, a tsunami, let's say, in those kinds of experiences, or is it basically still the heartfelt burial or cremation type of experience that people are looking for and are planning for?
2: It's, it's more the heartfelt uh, experience. I think one of the things that we've seen much more openness to, uh, to the tune of about 17% of the popul- of the consumers are looking at green options. So more natural options, that's a um, is certainly a trend in the industry. Now, again, there's an interesting twist where people aren't necessarily willing to pay more or pay for those options. But it's uh, as we become a little bit more ecologically sensitive and aware, uh, that's certainly a trend. But it, I, I think you were right in what you said earlier, that it is it, it's fairly traditional in um, how we're, we're memorializing people these days.
1: So we're going to take a little break, and we're going to listen to a couple of uh, – it, it's funny that this is just so perfect – book reports. One of them is about the longevity economy, and I can tell you now that in that book there's an entire chapter just on this as part of the longevity economy. Let's hear about that, and then we will be right back. Aging is trending when it comes to bestsellers. Check out The Longevity Economy by Joseph Coughlin, the director of MIT's Age Lab. The Longevity Economy tells the story behind the goods and services and technology created just for us, like CareBots and, yes, the driverless car. It shows how much we contribute to the GNP, but it also voices a complaint that companies are not making fun stuff for us. Don't treat us like a patient. Treat us like a consumer, says Coughlin. The second book I recommend is Disrupting Aging by Joanne Jenkins, director of the AARP. Ms. Jenkins reviews breakthroughs in workplace diversity, home health, and more generated by our longevity. She asks us all to view aging as a strength, not an inevitable decline, and registers a plea to fight ageism. See you at the bookstore, or better yet, at the library. And we are back. You know, it's a funny thing. Uh, We're back with Chris Kruger with the uh, Foresight Companies. We've been talking about things like longevity uh, on this show, I think, for six years. Uh, We've been talking about all the aspects of it. And when we come back, Chris, I want to talk about the fact that, and it's just true and I'm happy to say it, people are simply dying older. They are living longer and therefore they are dying older. And we'll talk a bit about that as it connects to the way people want their funerals to be at a time when they're wise enough to understand a little bit about their own life and their own legacy. We'll be right back. full of
0: it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. May think that I'm full of it,
1: but
0: that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit
1: I'm inappropriate for my age. Da, 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 da. And hello, 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 and we are back. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. I did want to tell you that our latest blog, uh, and probably by the time you listen to this, it will not be our latest blog, but I want you to look for it very easy to find. It's aging for beginners on bottom line personal is about sleep and the importance of sleep. Now we do talk about uh, nutrition all the time. We talk about exercise all the time. We talk about things you can do for cognitive fitness, but we don't talk about sleep on this show very frequently. Maybe once or twice in the past uh, four or five years, we've had a sleep expert. So I put it all down on paper because I'm hanging out with biohackers with folks who actually do the things you're supposed to do, and most of them are geroscientists, so they're experimenting on themselves, to be honest with you, do all the things you're supposed to do for longevity. And I asked them uh, the other day at a conference what their number one concern was for themselves at the moment, and they all said sleep. And so it, it, it came to mind that we should be talking about that. So if you take a look at um, Aging for Beginners right now, You will see that up. It may not be the very first one. I may have added a few between this recording and when you look, but do take a look at the one on sleep. It's gotten a lot of publicity and a lot of notoriety. It's very important. So right now we'll come out to a different subject, the subject that you won't hear on many shows uh, for a lot of reasons. One of them is nobody wants to hear about their own end-of-life planning, but it's not a bad thing. According to the Foresight companies a survey, 73% from 58% want to do some pre-planning. So we have Chris Kruger with us uh, to discuss with us some of the things we ought to do. Now, I know, Chris, when I asked you, what was very important to you? What, what did you not want to miss? You said, Oh, transparency. I want people to know what they should know. So tell us.
2: Well, I think one of the big things is that, um, the consumer wants transparency. And so when I say transparency, they want to have access to what is this going to cost me and what does it include? And it's, you know, it's one of those things I think that you mentioned, Adrian, that we don't think a lot about. We don't talk a lot about. Uh, but people want to be able to find this information online. They want to know how much it's going to cost, what is included. Um, to just give them a little bit more of an understanding. The interesting thing is that 52% of the consumers told us that they're inclined not to do business with somebody if you're not gonna make this easy on me. Mm. So if you're not gonna give me the information, you're not gonna make this uh, something that's more palatable for me, I don't wanna do business with you. And I think that's an important thing for the funeral industry to embrace is that, again, we have to listen to the consumer and we have to make this as easy and transparent for the consumers as possible.
1: Now, does that mean packages that you actually write about online so that people can see what's going on? Um, How about Zoom meetings with a funeral director? What do you think is the next step for the industry when it comes to transparency?
2: Well, I, I think it is making those packages, making that pricing available online. Uh, we, you know, When you talk about Zoom meetings, I think one of the things that we've also seen is that almost half of consumers say that they would prefer to make their arrangements online. So as opposed to going into the funeral home or to the cemetery office or, frankly, having that person come to your house, almost uh, one in two or 46 percent are saying they would rather do that from the convenience of their own home. And they would like to make it, uh, and again, make it easy and make this information about the packages, as you mentioned, or the prices or the itemized issues, uh, just make it very easy for me to understand.
1: Now, you know, one of the things I, I had said before our, our break was we are we have increasing longevity, and I'm knocking on wood here, uh, and the world that I live in uh, is a world – which we call Metabesity, which is a group of geroscientists that are trying to make us healthier longer, not necessarily only living longer, but healthier longer. And there's a new book out called The Hundred Year Life. And Nir Barzilli, Dr. Nir Barzillai, Albert Einstein, just came out this week with Age Later. So we have all of this about longevity, which means that the industry must be seeing that they are, um, that the loved one, much older. Uh, If somebody is 75 years old and they pass away, somebody else is going to say so young. And there was a time that that was so old. Is there any difference in the industry because of the longevity and and potentially increased longevity? Or is it something that uh, just hasn't filtered down to the way the business is being conducted?
2: I I think if you look at this industry over the last 20 to 30 years – and what uh, I would say, analysts or even some of the financial analysts on Wall Street have always expected this great surge in the as the baby boomers, um, you know, mature in age, that there was going to be a whole lot more people passing away. And as you just point out, rightfully, Adrian, that has not been the case. There, it, people are living longer, um, and it has so there has not been that great influx or, or increase in the number of people passing, but also. Um, as I said, the, the the change in the in the way that the industry has evolved has been very slow up until this last three or four uh, months, and uh, so there really has not been a significant change as the population is aging more and more.
1: So let's talk uh, in our last segment about the last few months, which which you have said a couple of times that this business, and I will say the business of doing things online is getting more and more popular, frankly. So in in a couple of minutes that we have before the end of our segment here, I do want to turn our attention to grief. Now, uh, being a grief counselor to kids and, and needing ritual, in fact, that's the bread and butter of this nonprofit called Good Grief, and it works with children to make sure they don't get depressed. Many kids who lose parents are even suicidal, and they do it through constant ritual and remembrance. So obviously not funerals. But are we giving that up? Do we feel we don't need that? Grief doesn't have to be as personal. We can grieve over the computer. I mean, what are you seeing from the psychosocial point of view here?
2: Well, I, I think one of the things that we've seen is, particularly through the funeral industry, is people have had to adapt. And so where they're not able to go through that ritual and not able to Uh, experience the things that have been more traditional in this industry, we've seen people get creative, and that is through streaming, through group Zoom meetings, through uh, really trying to embrace technology as a means to address those needs, because as you point out uh, very rightfully, Adrian, it it it's it's certainly not easier and frankly it might be even more difficult when you're not given the opportunity to um to heal in this in this time frame and frankly a lot of these things that are uh, you know we we're, we're all stressed as a society right now so it's been a it's been a process of evolution and as i say it's more of an accelerant because we're having to find ways to um to heal and to do it in different ways
1: well, when we come back, I'm going to ask you a really hard question, but I'm going to—I'm not going to surprise you. You started all of this by saying this is an industry where people come in because they care. That's the way you started it. They care. They care about grieving families and so on. When this becomes mechanized, when technology takes over, if that's the case for the future, are we going to get different kinds of people in this industry? Don't go anywhere. I'm fascinated by that question. I'll be right back. All of it.
0: That doesn't bother me, not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate for my age. Da,
1: da, da, da. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth. Uh, because we are now coming to the end of our show, our last segment, I did want to remind you of two things. We have a wonderful newsletter. That newsletter is available to you free of charge. All you have to do is contact me at adrian, A D R I A N E B E R G dot com slash contact, and give us your email. That's all we ever need. The other thing that uh, you can do is you can go to our radio website, which is generationboldradio.com. Another opportunity to listen to all of our past shows or most of them. Uh, we have at least a 100, I think, uh, on now. And again, give me your email. And we will be able to send you the newsletter with hints and tips on successful aging, free webcasts that are coming up from all kinds of different organizations. Today, for example, I was on one from AFAR, the American Federation of Aging Research. I'll be on one on the 26th. Two days from now, Dr. Nir Barzilai, his new book, Age Later. We mentioned him in this show. And uh, The Blue Zones was today, this morning, about things that you can do in your community, successful aging, but you wouldn't know that these things exist, that they're free, that they're all around you. The newsletter gives you hints and tips on that, and also fun stuff like art and cosmetics and music and literature. Okay, so we're going now to to speak with Chris Kruger, and he's representing today the Foresight Companies. They did a really thorough job looking at the face of the funeral industry, which they call the death care industry, uh, in, in the face of COVID. And apparently there's been a major change just because of the pandemic. So let's go back to Chris. So so this is a foresight company. You have foresight. What do you see for the future here? I mean, you, you told us that a lot of things are going to be online. A lot of things are going to be transparent with regard to what's being spent. Uh, we're shifting from ritual uh, to uh, and tradition to experiences. Uh, the tsunami of funerals because of the huge 78 million baby boomers did not occur. You're going to laugh, but I was once on a panel with the governor of, of um, Colorado, and he said, "You know, nobody has the decency to die anymore." So apparently, <laughs> apparently, the funeral industry agrees with knows what he's talking about, right? Guy knows what he's talking about. So, so what's going to happen here? What what can we expect? Look, I'm I'm kicking. I hope to be kicking for a long time, but at some point I want to see what the future might bring with this. What can we expect here?
2: Well, and we want you to keep kicking. No, the – I think the thing is – you know, we're seeing a huge shift towards technology. We're seeing that people want convenience. There's different ways that people are celebrating these services, but the personal touch isn't going away. You know, when 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 46% of the people of consumers are saying that they would like to make their arrangements virtually, they're not looking to fill out a form. They're looking to interact with somebody. And, you know, there's the the, the people that are coming into this industry, I heard it said pretty well, uh, by a, a funeral homeowner in the Midwest, that the funeral home, or the funeral director of the future is almost going to have to be a uh, a, a, produ- a production expert. They're going to have to be able to produce these live streaming things, these memorials, these, te- you know, use technology and embrace it. And I, And I think the interesting thing is people do come into this industry to care for people. And that isn't going away. And, and even though there is what we would call a tsunami in the shift towards technology and the way people are mourning, it's not taking away what are very, very difficult times in people's lives. And, 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 and caring for people during those times, uh, is absolutely critical. And one of the things that this industry has had a challenge with is getting enough good quality, good hearted people into the industry. You know, there's a lot of, as you go back for the past 100 plus years, there's been a lot of family tradition and uh, succession within families that has, um, it's diminished a little bit. And so there's a lot less of the, the generational, you know, passing down from one to, uh, one to the next than there may have been 20, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, so there's always a, a significant need for caregivers, uh, that personal touch, while it may look a little bit different, certainly isn't going away. Um, I think it's just evolving and it's accelerating is really what's happened in the last several months yeah. because of this COVID.
1: Yeah, I'm getting the impression that uh, the way the foresight um, in uh, companies looked at this was a fairly stagnant, uh, same old, same old type of industry, even though it's such a relevant, so important and so emotional industry. But nothing much changed, and all of a sudden, like a bang, like a meteor struck, and there's big, big changes coming up. Now, I see a few other things. First of all, uh, it seems to me that how religious we are as a nation, and the trending and trending to and away, the ebb and flow, probably has some impact on the industry, because there are requirements if you're religious. With many different religions mm-hmm. and they have to and, and you you have to abide by those some religions don't don't like cremation, others uh, prefer cremation so so all of these things uh probably impact the industry but one of the things that is brand new that isn't old news and I'm going to really get sci-fi on you is the technology of artificial intelligence I've seen holograms of people i've seen because I don't work in the funeral industry, but I know a lot about senior living. I've seen dementia care. I've seen dementia care where people are brought in as holograms and robots that look like loved ones. Uh they're not and some of them are gone. I don't know what this industry is going to embrace and is going to be asked for as time goes on with the artificial intelligence. But I don't think it can be discounted or laughed at or or thrown away. It's getting to be too uh too important right now in caregiving of live folks we have robots probably the most uh the, the the fastest growing area is telehealth and that's now in covered by medicare it used to be you know on star trek and now it's something it's it, we have to we have to take a, a look at that uh, on the fringes of your uh discussions and your conferences is AI ever discussed, and what people are thinking about in terms of death itself and how they're reimagining it?
2: I have not um, seen it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist somewhere out there, but you know, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, Adrian, was that the industry prior to COVID really was—I'm going to say—10 to 20 years behind the times just in in general technology. <laughs> Uh, but all of those things that you point out, rightfully about you know uh, about senior living and in, in, in society as a whole, um, there's absolutely no reason that it will not creep itself into the end of life um, celebration or what that may look like. If you go back 20 years ago, uh, video tributes, and uh, heck, even six months ago, if you talked about uh, live streaming, it was certainly available but it was nowhere near as mainstream as it is now. Uh, the, the National Funeral Directors Association in, ni- in 2019 uh, speculated that about 20% of funeral homes even offered live streaming. Wow. And in a matter of months, we're probably well north of 50, if not 60%. Uh, so it's, and I say more than anything, it's accelerated technology into the here and now in this industry, but the the you know, AI and some of these things that you're uh, bringing up, there's no reason why as we get at least current, that we won't start to look at some of the the future uh, options that are available. And I'm sure it will creep its its way into this industry. Well,
1: we thank you so much because one of the points that I, one of my big takeaways for this is that this is an industry that has been uh, forever changed by the pandemic, because we're looking at that. You know, we call it the new normal, and we wonder which businesses will go back to normal, which businesses will be better than normal, and which will be forever affected. And what I'm hearing today from uh, Chris Kruger, uh, because of uh, of their deep knowledge of the death care industry and their recent studies and surveys and what's going on, is that this is one of those that's forever changed. So we thank you for bringing the news. Uh, to us here on Generation Bold Radio.
2: Thank you very much, Adrian. So
1: we will sign off. And for everybody else, as I always say every week, get out there, kids. And if it's still sequestered, which I don't think so, but we'll see. Stay in there, kids, and make it happen.
2: I'm inappropriate.